Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. You know that each year we take up a Life-Giving Sunday special contribution. We're taking that up next week. We're going to try to raise $275,000 and then give it away to the best ministries in Memphis and around the world. Well, one of the things that that money does is to support families from Highland who are trying to adopt or also those families who are fostering. We also bless uh, several four children's homes with that money. We bless two schools here in town and then one school overseas. So a significant portion of those funds goes to help children and especially vulnerable children. So I hope that you'll be thinking about how you'll give next week. But let me just say, I love Marley. I love the Terman family and I love that she has grown up here a part of this family along with her forever family, the Termins. And Marley's story is a part of a bigger story that involves her siblings and several other families from this church, one of the most beautiful stories I know of. And we're going to share that larger story sometime soon, so you can look forward to that. And Marley's story of her adoption makes me think about one of the central truths, the central dimensions of my life with Christ. And um, we've talked before about my adoption as a child of God, and we've connected it with those stories of adoption here. But I want to take a step back. Before Marley was adopted, that was a two-year process. Before, before she was adopted, Russ and Amy and the boys made this really simple but hard decision. And they decided they would intercede for this little girl when she needed somebody. They decided they would intercede for her. So long before the adoption, there was this decision to intercede for this little girl. And that makes me think about one of the most wonderful passages in Scripture. And it's this passage we find in Hebrews 7. So we're going to jump out of Mark today. We're going to be in Hebrews, John, and Romans. Let me me call your attention, though, to this passage in Hebrews. This is in Hebrews 7. Leading up to this, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus, by his death, by his blood, does something for us that is once for all. It's it's eternal. That is the forgiveness of our sins. But then he says, you know, the, the story of Jesus doesn't stop with his death. He's brought back from the dead and he's brought back for a purpose. And this is what we find in Hebrews 7. He says this, therefore... He is able to save completely those who come to God through him, Jesus, because he always lives to intercede for them. So think about this. You know, when Jesus dies, uh, God isn't up there in the throne room saying like, hmm, wonder what I should do now. You know, he's died. He forgave sins. That was great. What do I, should, I, I guess I could bring it back from the dead. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. People would talk about that for a long time. Um, that's not what's happening. Okay. God has this plan, and bringing Jesus back from the dead is critical to the plan. You know, Jesus says from the cross, it is finished. And about a portion of his job, he's absolutely right. The sins of the world are forgiven upon the cross. But there is more work that is unfinished for Jesus to do, and that is 
to intercede for you and me. Hebrews says that he lives for a purpose, he has a job to do, and that purpose is to intercede for you and me. So when Paul says in Ephesians that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father now, it's a statement about the authority of Jesus, but it's also a statement about the access that Jesus, the Son of God, has to God the Father. He is at his right hand, so he is able, because he's stationed there, positioned there, to intercede for you and me every day and eternally. He lives for a purpose now. He has a job to do, a job that's been given to him by God the Father, and that job is to sit at the Father's right hand and intercede for you and me. That's the job. So we might imagine the conversation that God the Son and God the Father are having for eternity. And um, in my office, this sounded really good. We'll see how it sounds in front of several hundred people. You can imagine like this. uh, Jesus looks to the Father. He says, Father, Dad, you see Eric down there? God says, yeah, he's got some problems. And um, Jesus says, well, that's the thing, God. He does have some problems. And because of that, I want you today to apply my death to his life. I want you to forgive him of his sins, his problems. And when you look at him, I want you to look at him and see me because you have applied what I have done already to him today. God says, I like the sound of that. I can do that. So you know what, son? I look at Eric today and I see you. And Jesus says, that's great. Because do you know that Eric is praying to you every day? And he's lifting up all these burns he has on his heart. He's trying to lead a church. He's trying to be a good husband. He's trying to be a good dad. And he's praying to you about these things every day. And I just want to make sure you're hearing these prayers and that you're going to respond to these prayers. And God the Father says, oh, yeah, I'm absolutely hearing these prayers. But you know what, son? I love it when you magnify his prayers to me. Helps me to know how important they are to him because they're so important to you You and I make a good team. And Jesus says, yeah, we've been a a good team from the beginning. He says, but there is this other thing. You and I promised that we would give Eric your spirit. We promised that we would give him the Holy Spirit. So God, I want you today to fulfill that promise. I want you to pour out your spirit on him because I don't want him to be alone. I don't want him to be afraid. I want him to know the truth and I want him to know who he is. Would you give him your spirit today? And God the Father says, you bet. Fist bump, you know, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's heretical to imagine a conversation and to pretend to be God the Father and God the Son. And if so, you know, let me like move over just a little bit. I don't think so because all that comes straight from scripture. We know, we actually know exactly what God the Son and God the Father are talking about every day. We're told, all that comes straight from scripture. We're told that Jesus is interceding for you and me, ensuring that his death is applied to my life every day. He's magnifying the prayers that I offer to the Father and he's asking the Father to pour out the Spirit on my behalf. So this is what Jesus says in John. This is John 14, look at verse 16. Look at this with me. Jesus says, I will ask the Father 
So I will intercede for you to the Father. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be with you. I won't leave you as what? Orphans. I will come to you. Now this this is where it gets really good. Jesus has been given a job by the Father that he is to do forever. But Jesus doesn't do this job begrudgingly. He is motivated to do his job. And what's he motivated by? He's motivated by you. He doesn't want you to be an orphan, he says. He doesn't want you to feel like to try to navigate this world as an orphan. And so that's why he does his job. Now think about that. I mean, of all the words that Jesus could have used, I'm going to do this because I don't want him to be scared or I don't want him to be alone or I don't want him to have trouble or to suffer. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, I'm going to do this because I will not leave them as orphans. Now, apparently there is something that is nearly universal, eternal about parents about having parents or not having them, right? And as a, you know, as a, as a parent, um, that hits me pretty hard trying to do this thing well. We recently, our staff and elders got trained in this form of prayer. It's called freedom prayer. It's, it's, it's basically training to help us intercede better for, for you. And those who are training us said, they kept using all these examples of the things that people might come to you in their life. And I can vouch for this. I've often seen this, the things that people from the church come to you wanting healing or freedom from. And it seemed like nine times out of 10, it was a wound from their parents who didn't do something for them that they should have done for them or who abandoned them in a time of need. Parenting is hard. And even those of us with good parents sometimes have wounds from our parents. Buster and Kim Clemens, who were great parents, raised three great boys. But the other day, Buster in the office asked me how I was doing as a dad, and I told him it was hard. And he said, yeah, Kim and I used to tell the boys, we're probably messing you up. (laughs) But one day when you're talking to your therapist, tell them we didn't mean to. (laughs) And man, I can relate to that. Parenting's hard. Even those of us with great parents sometimes have wounds from our parents. And then I know people here who were abandoned or hurt by their parents when they needed them most. Or there's something universal about that experience or that bond that God intends between a child and their parent. And Jesus doesn't want anybody to navigate this world as an orphan, he says. I don't want anyone to experience that loneliness or that lack of direction. And so I'm going to intercede for everyone. And what I'm going to do is to ensure that God the Father fulfills his promise and pours out his spirit onto you. And this is why this is good. This is why this is going to treat that feeling of being an orphan because the spirit is the companion and the spirit of truth. Now, now if you were going to describe what a, what a good parent is, are there a better two words to describe it? Companion and truth. So, so not just companion, not just my buddy, but that's part of it. 
but also not just truth, not just the person who tells me don't touch that, it's hot. It's the two of those things together. So what the Spirit does is it represents our Heavenly Father in our life, acting as a parent for you and me so that we don't feel like orphans and we have a companion with us everywhere we go and we have truth. But look at this, let me show you this in Romans 8, it gets even better. The Spirit doesn't stop there as our companion and our source of truth. Look at what Paul says what else the Spirit does. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear. Remember Isaiah, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you're mine. This is Paul's version of that, fear not. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear. You received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. And with this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And that same spirit agrees with our spirit that we're God's children. So look at this. My whole goal this morning is not to get you to do anything um, specific. I just want you to glory into what Jesus is doing for his people every day. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is interceding with the Father for you and me so that the Father will pour out the Spirit so that the Spirit can testify, can shout back to the Father, this child is yours. That's what he says the Spirit's doing. It's not only your companion, it's not only guiding you in the truth. The Spirit is witnessing or testifying to the Father, this child is your child whom you've adopted and you better treat this child as yours. We... We got to watch the Marley's adoption hearing. It was all on Zoom, which that's the world we're living in. And so we, we piled into the staff conference room and got to watch the hearing on Zoom. And uh, Russ and Amy will tell you that it was a long process. It, it was about a two-year process, and there were several delays in the process. I think the last delay set them back another month in the adoption because they were missing uh, the records of a dental visit for Marley that were required by the court. And she didn't even have teeth. Yeah, it was like, I think she's got a couple teeth now. But okay, that, that was what delayed it. But anyways, all, those, all, the, all that evidence is put into a file, and we watched it happen. The hearing's pretty short. The, their lawyer says a couple things to Russ and Amy, and the judge is just going through this file, and the file is testifying, this girl is theirs. This is their girl. This is their child. She belongs to them. And all the... All the judge does is validate or stamp that testimony. This child belongs to them. That's what Paul's saying the Spirit does for you and me. The Spirit is, is our companion, it's our guide and truth, but maybe most importantly for us, the Spirit is our witness or our testimony or the evidence to the Father that I belong to Him. I've been brought into His family. And so think about this, the most important dynamics or dimension in my life, my identity as a son of God, your identity as a son or daughter of God, this most important dynamic in my life is the result of someone, namely Jesus Christ, interceding for me every single day. That's it. 
And this divine economy or divine exchange happens as a result where the son intercedes to the father for me in response. The father pours out his spirit onto me and then the spirit testifies back to the father, this is your son. This is your daughter. Treat him like that. Man, isn't that great? What Paul says is, and as you saw in that video, fear not, what that does, once I know who I am, I can navigate this world without fear. Because I know I belong. I know what I'm supposed to do as a, as a son or daughter of God. This world is so confusing. This world is so scary and I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be confused because I know who I am. I know who I am. So, so the divine economy or the divine exchange that's going on forever, the one that we actually, we know, we know what's happening in heaven. We know what's happening in our hearts. Like that is spelled out for us, okay? This economy of the son interceding for me, the father pouring out his spirit in response and the spirit testifying that I belong to the father. You and I are caught up in the middle of that. And so, When scripture calls on God's people to intercede for others, this is why. Because someone's interceding for me. It's that simple. Scripture calls on us to intercede for three groups of people um, all the time. There are others we're called to intercede for frequently, but all the time, widows, the stranger, and orphans. Why? Because God does not want anyone to experience this world as an orphan. So maybe that's a good reason for you to intercede for somebody. Maybe this week God's calling you to intercede for somebody in your life. Maybe that's just prayer for somebody. Maybe he's calling you to intercede for a child. Maybe next next week you and your spouse or you and your family get together and you think about what you're gonna give to our life-giving Sunday next week when we were gonna pour out a significant amount of that money to bless children looking for their forever families. Maybe you're gonna save up for that. God's gonna like motivate you to intercede in that way. Maybe God's placing on your heart right now, adoption or foster care. And if that's you, shoot me an email. We got all these people at this church who would love to help you walk through that journey Maybe God's putting that on your heart. Maybe God's just calling you to mentor a child, to go study sight words down at LaRose or Macon Hall. Or maybe God's just placing on your heart, interceding for somebody who's grown, for an adult. He just, he just, I need to intercede for this person. Maybe God's just putting that on your heart this morning. I don't know who it is. I don't know what God's calling to you. I don't want to pretend I do. But let me tell you, you have been called to intercede for somebody. Because he's done it first for you. I mean, that's the fabric of my life is the intercession of the son on my behalf, God's response and the spirit's testimony. I'm caught up in that. This is my calling to intercede for somebody. Now, here's the thing. It turns out you and I are not God. We're not the son. We have the spirit. We're not the spirit. And the intercession of God the Father is a, God the Son to the Father, including the Spirit, is a perfect process that always ends in our adoption. But when we intercede for somebody else, it doesn't always end that way. 
I'm thinking about families here at this church who have fostered, who have grown to love a child as their own child, and then that, maybe that child's birth family kind of gets it together and, and they're ready to receive their child back into their home, and we celebrate that and rejoice about that. But like, I've walked with the families here who know that is a hard thing to intercede for a child and for it to not end like that. Okay. And so for those families, I just want to point your attention to this. This is Psalm 9.9. This is what the Lord says about himself. The Lord is a safe place for the oppressed, a safe place in difficult times. I believe that God's desire, his intent, his plan through Jesus Christ is that no one would experience this world as an orphan. And I trust God and his sovereignty and his will will fulfill that promise in one way or the other. But I think that sometimes what God needs is just somebody to be a safe place for somebody else in a difficult time. You know, what if, what if God has called me to intercede for somebody and that intercession isn't permanent, it's temporary? Well, praise God. Let me trust in his will and his plan that he knows he knows what's best, that he can use me to intercede when he needs me. And what if you just made yourself available for that? There was a family here at Highland. They've, they've moved away. They live in another state now, but I still claim them as ours. And that's the way preachers count. And um, they fostered this little girl for over a year, a couple years ago, and then she went back to be with her birth mom. It was really hard for them. And I remember, I remember the, what they said to me. They said, who knows what she might have been spared from this year? Who knows? And that was what gave them peace. Church, we believe at Highland that we are called to intercede for vulnerable children. Doing that in all kinds of ways. One of those ways is through a number of families, much like the Termins, who are bringing children into their homes. And maybe God's placed that on your heart. And if so, I want to bless you in that. And I encourage you to reach out to me. We'd like to help. In fact, we'll help pay for it, among other things. That's one of the things we do next week when we raise all that money. Now, whether that's your calling or not, um, God has called you to intercede for somebody because his son's interceding for you. Who will you intercede for this week? Who's that person? Maybe it's temporary. God's intercession is permanent, it's always, and we're not God, maybe it's temporary. Okay, let's trust him and make ourselves available for whatever temporary thing he may wanna do in us for somebody else. Can you do that? Let me pray over you as we dismiss. God, these are your children here. These are your sons and daughters. Your spirit cries out through us right now, through each and every heart in this room, Abba, Father. I pray, God, that you would honor each of your children here in this place, and I know that you will because right now Jesus receives this prayer and magnifies it to you. You hear our hearts, God, because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray just a prayer of, of hope and gratitude and thanks because I know 
that in response to your son, you're going to pour out your spirit on us and he'll continue to testify on our behalf. God, because of the intercession of your son, would you move in us that we might intercede for somebody this week? I don't know who that person is. Each and every person in this room, you're probably placing on their heart some person, they see somebody in their mind. Would you just compel them, inspire them, motivate them to come to you and intercede for that person this week? That's a small thing to ask God, but we believe you do big things because someone intercedes. We pray this in the name of your son, our intercessor, Jesus. Amen.